everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Data of D&D, the D&D podcast about data science behind Dungeons & Dragons on the Tome Show Network. Help support the show and the network by using the Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links found on thetomeshow.com, and leave us a review on iTunes. Now, let's begin the show. Hey everybody, welcome to episode one of the Data of D&D. I'm Topher Cohen, one of your great co-hosts, and here is... Mike Shea. Mike, thanks for coming, man. Hey, so um, sure. Uh, this is a brand new podcast that we're putting out. This is episode one. We're super exci- I'm super excited about this. This was an idea that you had, and you reached out to me, and we talked about it, and thought it was great. Uh, I want to take a second in this episode, uh, everybody's listening, this episode's really going to be about what the show's going to be about. We're going to use some information and stuff and tell you about it, but trust us, stay around for episode two when that comes out, because that's going to be the deep meat. But let's start with, Mike, tell us what we're going to get in this episode and what the idea of this show really is. Sure. Uh, so the, the show overall, I think, will focus on, uh, as, as the title implies, the data of D&D. And uh, my hope is we, we have lots of subjectivity when it comes to this hobby of ours. There's lots of things that we all believe. There's lots of things that we all think. And uh, if they're anything like me, my, you know, our, our, our ideas are the most important ones that are out there. But as me- much research has shown, getting the aggregate of information from a lot of different people can often lead to insights that you're not going to get by asking any, any specific person. So one of the things that I want to do is look at this wonderful hobby of our, mi- really mix two hobbies I've got, which is digging into data and also Dungeons and Dragons, and see what we can learn by finding particular sources of data as it relates to D&D and seeing what we can learn about it. In today's show in particular, one of the more interesting areas where there's data, which is really lots of people posting, is on the uh, D&D 5th edition Facebook group that has something like, I don't know, 30,000 people, some, some huge amount of yeah. people that, that subscribe to it. I think, it's, I it's think it might huge. be hundreds of thousands. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. It's, it's huge. And it's not uncommon for somebody to post a relatively simple question and have thousands of people answer, or, or certainly hundreds, and in, in some cases, thousands of people answer. So that's one of the sources of data that we're going to probably look at a few times because it's sort of a rich, a rich way to get an aggregate view of a particular topic, and that is, in fact, what we're going to be talking about today. Right on. And so you've taken, I think for our first episode, uh, you and I have talked about featuring one of your posts where you took some data that a gentleman named Gil Sullivan, who posted in that um, Facebook group. Now, uh, listeners, there's going to be some super nerdy data talk on this. That's (laughs) cool if that's not your thing. The cool part of this is, is that it lets us, as Mike said, talk about how we, as fans of this game, of this hobby of role-playing games, think, and we can, it's crowdsourcing as such, and that's the part that I want our listeners here to really kind of think about. Don't get all caught up with, oh, look, there's two dudes talking about how to, you know, parse data, which, by the way, is totally cool, and I'm a big (laughs) fan of. I could talk about parsing data all day. Makes two of us. I'm a big (laughs) fan of that, but... For the average D&D fan, what really is important is what our fellow players are saying and how that can impact us and make us think and make us look at our hobby a little bit differently. Don't you agree? Definitely. Definitely. That's the whole point. The whole point is what can we learn from this? How can we all, how can we all sort of learn more about this hobby of ours by kind of taking the aggregate results? Right on. All right. So let's talk about this um, article on SlyFlourish.com, which sure. will be linked in our show notes. And use this as kind of a... a point of show and tell about how we are going to do this lovely show of ours. 
Yeah, this one's this one's kind of a sample, and it was sort of an experiment. I actually I actually ran this whole thing when I was on vacation because it was the first time I looked at this. I said, "Huh, I wonder." If, you know, I like I like parsing lots of text, and there's lots of text here, and it'd be kind of interesting to see what they say. And it was it was sort of a toy, mostly because it was a sort of semi serious question, and the answers are far, in many cases, far from serious answers. So this isn't one where we are all going to become far more enlightened DMs by figuring this out. It does bring up kind of an interesting statistical piece, which is uh, something known as regression to the mean. The idea that when you have lots and lots of data uh, and you, you sort of plot it all out, it all sort of correlates around whatever the mean of that data happens to be. If you've seen a bell curve, for example, you can imagine what, where, where any particular piece of data is going to line up. And that is in, case, that, that is in the case in this, in this particular data. It's one of these interesting things where if you are to ask somebody, uh, if you were to say something like, so, so the, the, the premise of the question, this is the, the question that Gil Sullivan posted, uh, is he said, give your best D&D advice in four words or less. Now, if you took someone aside and said, okay, I want you to guess what the biggest piece of D&D advice is that you know, 1,400 people would have coalesced around, what would that answer be? Uh, you would not be surprised to find out that don't split the party is the number one. Right. That's, that's a shocker. It was a shocker. shocker. Oh, my God. That's I'm the best totally advice ever. About that. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, that's that's a, in, in my mind. And, and this something else I hope we'll do in the show is everybody might learn a little bit more about data science while we're hearing about this on top of our D&D. And regression to the mean is one of those pieces. People tend to collate. I, I refer to it as like the more data you have, the more boring the results. And, and this is that case. The boring piece of this result is don't split the parties, number one. Uh, always check for trash, number two. Uh, don't be a dick, number three, right? Another common one. And, and many people, when I posted this, like, oh, I'm so happy that Will Wheaton's key phrase made it, made it on here. Don't eat yellow snow for the goofballs. Uh, you know, trust the DM and so on. So let me talk a little bit more about what I did. So, and and not not the gory details. We can get into gory details if you want. But basically, there were 1,400 responses on this Facebook post. Gil Sullivan posted it on May the 4th. Uh, He got 1,400 results. And I did the, a, a very common data task, which is screen scraping. In this case, I did it all manually. I just kept opening up the page, clicking show more comment, show more comment, show more comment, show more comment, until all 1,400 were on one HTML page. I grabbed all of that. I threw it in a text editor. I cleaned it up some. I broke it out into individual pieces. And then I processed each piece independently, uh, trying to split it out into its most common words. With a little bit more magic, again, we can, we can talk more about the details of, the, of this, this process, which is known as natural language processing. Uh, tried to break it down into the most common results. One thing that made this particularly easy to parse and kind of fun to parse is because he very specifically said four words or less, which meant I didn't have to go very far in order to figure out that I should parse it based on the fact that it's four words each. What are the most common four word sets? You know, that's you know, there, there's a thing called an n-gram. Uh, an n-gram is essentially any set of words. Bigram, for example, is two words. Uh, unigram would be a single word. Trigram is three. They don't really talk about quadgrams, but you know, essentially four word, you know, a four piece n-gram, and that that is what uh, allowed me to sort of aggregate it all together and find out what the most common phrases were. Does that all make sense? Is there anybody left out there listening at this point? <laughs> I really hope there is because are um, you listening? If you're there, uh, I'm here, and uh, so I found it very interesting. Here's what I found interesting by reading this: is the fact that you're right. Nobody's really shocked that don't split the party or at least nobody should be shocked that don't split the party was number one right right but i found it interesting that in the top what is this two four six seven eight nine ten of them we tell people what not to do 
Yeah, exactly. Many, many cases. Yeah. So, so the absolutes, when I, when I do just a straight word count, one of the things that I'll do whenever I grab a big pile of text and I look at it is I'm just going to split it all out into words and do a, do a big, essentially a histogram on those words. What are the top words and how often are they spoken? And just look at that and see what I get from that. And in this case, the number one word in 17% of responses, the highest amount, 252 times out of the 1,400, was the word don't. The word always was next highest at 10%. Never was next highest with five and a half percent. DM was five and a half percent. But the idea that the top three words were don't, always, and never just shows that like how people think in absolutes, you know, across the board here. You know, that that to me is was particularly interesting. Were you surprised at all that there were that many absolutes, always, never, don't, in a game that when people talk about a game where <laughs> it's supposed to be flexible and open and use your imagination, and as you know, you and I have talked before about how good storytelling should always trump rules. Right? No, I, was, I wasn't surprised, and and I, you know, I, I wasn't surprised. I, like I didn't go in knowing that that was going to happen, but when I saw it, I was like, okay, that's not surprising. And part of it is because of the four word limit. No one's going to hem and haw and and kind of hedge their bet about the advice that they're giving when they have four words. They're just going to say it. And like, I bet if I analyzed my own D&D tweets that I post, where I, I post advice to DMs, I don't believe in absolutes when it comes to that stuff. I think we should all be experimenting with our game and making it as fun. And, and what's fun for your game is not necessarily as fun for mine. But I probably still talk in absolutes a lot because it's 140 characters. I don't have enough room right. to hold everyone's hand. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to make you know, empirical statements and get people pissed. So I'm not, I'm not that surprised. It was, but it was kind of a fun thing to see. And I, and I did, I do think that it considering, particularly when you're asking for advice, it seems like saying to either never do something or always do something is usually terrible advice because the world is gray and that there's not, you know, absolutes are probably never, you know, probably, you know, never use an absolute. Oh, oh, whoops. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't terribly surprised at that. I shouldn't have been either. I just, <laughs> but yeah, but I get what you're coming from, right? There's this open-ended game where everybody's kind of very flexible and we're telling people that you should only do X and Y, Z. And again, you know, oh, so, so one, one thing that I thought was really kind of fun is that there was definitely a split between, between people who said trust the DM and people who said don't trust the DM. Really? You know, I specifically broke those out and trust the DM was spoken seven times specifically and don't trust the DM was spoken six times specifically. And it's not just, you know, the vote, it's not an overlap between those two. They were actually separate. So uh, that was kind of, again, funny, right? Like directly contrary advice on what you ought to do with a DM. And I think I've heard people who say you should trust the DM as a player, but your characters should never trust a DM. And you're like, okay, that's, you know, I can buy that. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny. I, I'm looking at your top words here and your w- word analysis. I, I'm going to get a little um, nerdy here for a second. It looks like you pulled out stop words. That's correct. So there is no A's and Z's and yep. ands and stuff. D- is, yep. Did you do that manually, or was that part of the but, yeah, I've process? Got a, uh, so I've got a, I've got a trick, which is in in my experience analyzing text, I tend not to pull out stop words right away because you never know when the stop word is going to be interesting. And depending on the context of the text, those stop words could act, you know, the things that might be a stop word in one situation may not be a stop word in another. So I always, I always start out by having all the stop words in it. Don't, for example, is an often used as a stop word. I think if you go to many stop word lists, don't is one of them. And in this case, don't is one that was particularly interesting and also pretty key to a lot of what people were saying. One of the common problems with, with, 
this whole style of natural language processing is that you lose you lose key descriptive terms that actually flip around a statement. You know, if you say trust the DM, if I stop word and trust the uh, don't, then all of the don't trust the DMs become trust the DM, and it's the exact opposite of what they actually said. That's a common problem in, in this sort of work too, is that you change the meaning by screwing around with the data too much. All right, I should have said this earlier. Stop words, for those of you who don't work in any world like I do, are words that are commonly, um, they're common language words like an, a, the, at, that are ignored for data, for text analysis and data analysis because they are... Particularly for search engines. Especially for search engines. Yeah, search engines. The word actually comes, stop words is a phrase actually used in search engine optimization and how Google thinks about text and stuff. Um, In the show notes, I've linked to the, a actually really well-written Wikipedia article about stop words. I may know somebody who happened to co-wrote that article. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and the other one that, the other issue with stop words is that sometimes dealing with stop words when you're, when you're working with engrams, that the, the way when you're when you're trying to piece together phrases, if you pull out the, the wrong stop words, you'll end up breaking up the phrases and you didn't want to necessarily break them up. So uh, especially if you're using if you're doing like anything above a bigram, anything where you're looking at more than two words together, you might want to keep in your stop words just so that you can see what a sentence actually looked like. The difficulty there is if sometimes and, and this was the case where, you know, especially with don't and never. You know, sometimes one would have the exact same statement, only sometimes it was don't and sometimes it was never. And in the case of trust the DM, sometimes it doesn't say either of them. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So that's something that kind of comes out. I mean, a, a big piece of this is you got to kind of sit around, preferably on a beach in North Carolina, and screw around with the data until you start to see what you're seeing. The other piece with this is because it was 1,400 responses, it wasn't so big. This is what I call like small data analysis, right? I, you know, it, more and more the whole idea of big data sort of, you know, can fall apart in many in many circumstances. And small data is actually really interesting. And one thing you can do with small data is you can actually go and read it. So you can go like, huh, that's a weird result. Let me open up the actual data and look at that one and see if that see if I'm actually capturing what they were saying. You know, and that's something you can't do if you've got you know 20 million results. But you can do it if you've got you know 1,400. So that was kind of an interesting thing to do. That, that is, yeah. I mean, as uh, I, I love playing with big data, but you're absolutely right. There's a there's an elegance, I should say, right, to to small data that you can right. get much more nuanced with. Right. I feel like, yeah, and you can learn a lot. You know, you can you can you can learn a lot, and it's far easier to process. Oh, <laughs> God, yes. Yeah. The memory and, and off you go. Yeah, yeah uh, those of the the people who play with big data know for sure that you need um, a lot of computing power to get through it in any reasonable amount of time. Yep. All right, so what's the one takeaway? Um, I'm, for this episode, I'm going to give two takeaways. What's the one takeaway that we want our, our new listeners to get about the episode? And what's the one takeaway we want them to have for this show? I'm going to answer your last question first. Can I give two? Yes, of course you can, Mike. Uh, so I'm going to give two for your last answer. From a data perspective, uh, I really think that that idea of regression to the mean is an important idea, and it's one that clearly shows here that again, if you if you were to randomly select a per, you know, if you've had a person and say out of a random selection of advice, what's the most common piece of advice you think people would give? And you heard it was don't split the party. You wouldn't be surprised, and that is exactly the the, the premise behind. Uh, the idea of, of, you know, regression to the mean and, and another idea called the central limit theorem. And we see it everywhere in our lives. Every time we think something is really unique and wild and crazy, that means it's on the, that means it's an edge case. And anytime we see something go, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's because it's right in the mean. And uh, I think that that's a very powerful 
data standpoint. I would say from a you know D and D standpoint, watching the absolutes is probably a good idea because we see advice that's got so many absolutes and that the primary words for uh, for the for these fourteen hundred results were don't and never and always. That's something that we can probably check ourselves on. You know, if we can, if we can kind of go like, okay, it's not always don't and never and always. There's always certain, you know, here's the absolute. There's always circumstances where absolutes don't fit. You know, so maybe that's the only proper way to use an absolute is to say it's not always absolute. I have a great um, saying I like to say: those who speak in absolutes are absolutely wrong. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, but is that self-defeating? That's it the is, it is, it is. No, oh, no, no. I'm confused. Uh, as far as this show, I would I would say that we we picked on this particular topic uh, because it is an example of the kind of stuff that we're going to do. It is not the best example, and I'm going to put in a little teaser. I use the exact same uh, the same technique for a question that I that I posed on both Twitter and Facebook on what are the top traits for dungeon masters? What are the what are the top traits for good dungeon masters? And the results that I got from that were 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 really outstanding. I think I think I'm going to be able to write articles for the next year on the results that I got back from that. So hopefully, if you enjoyed this show at all, you will really enjoy the next show where I dig into that I dig into that data. Right on. And if you did like the show, um, I'm Topher Cohan, one of your lovely hosts. You can reach me at. Uh, on the Twitters at Topher ATL T O P H E R ATL or on the Facebooks at facebook.com slash T O P H E R dot K O H A N and you can by all means message me and let us know uh, let me know there what you thought of this you can also reach out to me and Mike on the Tome Show's Facebook page Mike Shea where can people find you Ah, uh, I am my all my all my writings are on slyflourish.com and my best line of communication is on Twitter at twitter.com slash slyflourish and this the piece of data we're talking about and Mike's write-up is also on Slide Flourish, which will be linked in the show notes. Hey, everybody. I hope you like what you heard, and I hope you come back to listen to episode two. Mike and I are excited about this podcast and excited about this topic. If you have things you want us to talk about or ideas for data collection or data points or, or any tips for us. Sources. Um, sources. sources of data. I yeah. love Aim, aim me towards your giant sources of data, and I will dig in. Yeah, we, we love this, and we, we want to we wanna help you guys out. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot, and can't wait to hear you next time. Thanks for listening to Episode 1 of The Data of D&D. On behalf of myself and Mike, thanks for listening to The Data of D&D. If you liked what you hear and you want to help us out, go to our sponsor, Easy Dice Roller, at easydiceroller.com or over at patreon.com slash Show. The music you're listening to right now is by Scott Holmes from the freemusicarchive.org. And remember, math is fun. See you next time.